Hi guys, um, this is going to be a really short episode, but it was something that was on my mind, on my heart, something that, um, I don't know, I experienced recently. So I just thought, you know, this might make a nice little podcast episode. Um, it's just a real quick word on establishing rapport, establishing rapport both with the teachers you work with, the aides and paras, the custodians, the other faculty members in the building, and of course, the kids that we work with. Um, so, we're jumping in. We're going to talk briefly about rapport. Hello, I'm Marissa, a certified, licensed, and practicing pediatric occupational therapist. And this is OT with Marissa. Here we will review common terminology and topics, chat about daily OT practices, and provide simple but effective tools and strategies you can implement with the child or children in your life. Whether you're thinking about a career in occupational therapy, or a current student, new grad, or seasoned therapist, my hope is this podcast has something to offer you to learn, grow, and be the best therapist you can. I'm so happy you're here. So a little background, I work in the schools, I did get a new job, not in the schools, however, I am working summer school for the district that I previously have worked summer school with during this transition time. So it's the first week of summer school, and of course we get our list of students to see the first day of summer school, not even within the first hour, it's like school started at 8 o'clock and it's like 9 30 10 o'clock and we finally get the list so we get the list we're working together all of us related service providers we're frantic trying to put our schedules together you know they're half days you got to fit the kids lunches in there's really not too much wiggle room in terms of scheduling so that was all monday today's tuesday i finally go to meet with teachers and the aides and paras and meet a lot of students i've never met for the first time or maybe i've worked with them last summer but they don't remember me they're 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 too young or just based on their um their intellectual capabilities they might just not remember anyways things can get really frantic and everyone's jumping in. It's a lot coming at you at once for all of us, including the students. For a lot of these students, they're working with people they've never worked with before, in a building they've never been in before, with peers they've never seen before, their schedule's different, maybe their home routine looks different because things tend to change up in the summer. And so even though it's summer and the weather's warm and we're relaxed, Everything is changing and transitioning, and that can be really overstimulating for a lot of people and can be frustrating and overwhelming. And so I just kind of noticed today, while I was meeting with teachers and starting to see students, you know, I really took the pressure off of working on anything related to the students' goals and really focused on establishing rapport. Oops, sorry, that was that was a work email. We're, we're trying to get all the scripts in. I'm home. Summer school ended three hours ago, but 
life of an OT, we're still working. Um, anyways, back to, back to what I was talking about. First impressions are a big thing, right? A lot of these teachers have been working here for years. Aides have been working um, for many years. And so to kind of come off the bat, being myself a younger therapist, working with people I haven't worked with before in a building I haven't worked with before, you know, I'm really mindful about how I really approach the people that I'm working with. And instead of saying, hey, this is my schedule, this is what I need to see the student, I would say, hi, my name is Marissa. I'm the OT that gets to be working in your classroom today. How are things going? Wow, like you've got a big classroom. How are you doing? So first kind of acknowledging they might have a lot going on. You know, I was really hoping to look over the schedule with the kids that have OT services. Is now a good time or should I come back later? taking into consideration their time, right? Maybe you're catching them and they've got something going on or they're trying to hold information in their brain and now you're throwing more information at them. And that can be overstimulating and you're not acknowledging they have a lot going on too, right? So that's point part one, I suppose. One of the points I wanna make is Be mindful when you walk into a classroom. Use your OT eyes. Really see what's going on. What are the kids doing? Are they all starting to gather around circle time and you're flagging down the teacher as she she or he is about to start a lesson? Or are the kids eating breakfast and it's more of a lax time to try to go in and, and do their scheduling? Another piece of advice that I have is learn people's names. I'm horrible with names. I'm absolutely horrible with names. And I used to just be like, oh, that's your name. Okay. Um, And then I've like immediately forgot it. And I'm just like, oh, I don't want to ask again. I don't want them to feel insulted that I already forgot. People love it when you take the time to make sure you say their names right. I live in a community where there's a lot of different ethnic backgrounds and a lot of really hardworking, mostly women, that have names that I've never heard before and names that are kind of hard to pronounce. And so I really make it a point to be like, I'm so sorry, like I didn't quite get that. Could you say that again for me? And then I try to repeat it back. Okay, so you said your name was this, right? Oh, no, no, you say it this way. Oh, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Thank you for correcting me. I want to make sure I get this right. And then you know what you do? On your schedule, on your caseload, next to that student's name, you write it down. You write it down. Your paras especially are your go-to people. They're the ones implementing the things that you are creating up. They're the ones following through on the schedules and the visuals and the, um, the IEP goal things that you have made, whether it's a handwriting template or adaptive paper or whatever it is, they're the ones really implementing that. So if they feel acknowledged, they feel important because they are important and they definitely should be acknowledged for that. They feel more at ease and they feel more confident to implement the things that are going to ultimately benefit that student. So before you've even gotten to the student, 
you've acknowledged to the teacher, you've looked at their environment, made sure it's a good time to meet, you've made eye contact and have gotten the names of the paras and aides working with your students, you've written it down. This could take, you know, three to five minutes, depending on the classroom. Maybe you have to wait around. Um, but I think it makes a really strong first impression that you are there to support the classroom. You're not there to take over. You're not there to pull the kid and bring them back. Like when their service time has started and ended, you are part of that classroom community. Um, and just as much as you acknowledge and appreciate and value the staff support and teachers that you're working with, that's going to be reciprocated back to you. It, it seems so simple, but I know you can get in this narrow-minded tunnel vision of oh, all these kids to see, I got to see them here, then what's the schedule? I got to start providing services. And you, you don't do it intentionally, but you block out and kind of forget to do all of those other important rapport establishing things. Another thing that I have found to be extremely helpful for the teachers you're working with and honestly for yourself is have a drafted schedule there, right? No teacher wants to sit down and say, I don't, I don't know, like when, you know, some teachers might say, you know what, this is when you need to see the student. The student has a writing goal. This is when our ELA is or the student's working on transitions and this is when we go to lunch. Right, you know, as the OT, the most functional times to see a student. Look at their schedule ahead of time. A lot of times, grade levels will have their schedule posted and when they're doing lunch recess and sometimes even their academic work, what times. Pencil things in, have it drafted so that you have something to start with. Teachers really appreciate that you're coming in prepared and you're not putting the work on them. Then sit down. Take a breather and literally put your schedule in front of them and say, okay, I have this student at this time because they have a fine motor goal and this is when you're working on handwriting. Or, you know, I put this student here because they're working on a bathroom and transition goal and following class routines. And I just figured coming back from lunch and recess that this would be a really good time to enforce those, those skills. And then they can see your wiggle room and usually... You don't have a lot of wiggle room, so it's really nice for a teacher to see what you're working with in terms of flexibility so that they understand how flexible they might need to be in that situation. Um, so I think it just gives them a nice visual to see what you both are working with, and it kind of puts you on common grounds. So after you've done all of that, now it's really time to focus on establishing rapport with the student that you're working with. Sometimes you may have never met this student before. Keep in mind all of those background considerations with new school, environment, peers, teachers, all of that. The student can be a little bit heightened. It's the beginning of a new routine. You know, a lot of this can, well, a lot of this also relates to the beginning of a regular school year, but there's something about summer school where there's an urgency to it because instead of the whole school year to implement goals and get to know teachers, you have a condensed amount of time. And so there's something in the brain that's like we only have six weeks or however long summer school is for you to, to get this 
done to establish rapport, get into a routine, start working on the goals, and it can lead to a lot of pressure that we tend to forget some of those foundational needs that need to be met before you can reach the goal. So typically on a first session, first or second session, I rarely address the goal and I might try to start to get some background information. Sometimes, this is kind of like a tricky little thing, you can put items related to their goal nearby and if they spontaneously initiate utilizing some of those tools or doing some of those activities, maybe they're showing you that they're confident in it and you can start to roll um, roll with it and jump into working on the goals. But A, it kind of buys you time um, in setting up what they need and their treatment plans and how you're going to address their goals and their progress. But also, it really allows the student to establish trust with you and feel confident in the space that you're working with them in, whether it's the therapy room, the classroom, the lunchroom, the playground, any of these environments. And also, it forms a positive association with them right from the beginning that this person's fun. This person makes me feel confident. I, you know, did this really cool thing with this person. And so they form that association and it makes transitions a lot easier moving forward. And it makes their ability to push through a challenging task, that perseverance, as well as their confidence, really high as you move on because they trust that you've got them. So... Obstacle courses is a really fun thing to do, different games. Sometimes if I know they have a certain goal that's working on, let's say, fine motor skills, I might say, we're going to go to the OT room and we're going to play some games. Maybe you've even taken a picture of some of the choices and you've put them on your phone. So you can say, hey, these are some of the games that I have. Which one do you want to play? Oh, you want to play this one? Let's go get it. Let's. It's in my room. Let's go together. I'll show you the way. So they have some form of anticipation on what's to come because sometimes that ambiguity of I don't know where I'm going, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm with a person I've never met can be really scary, especially for some of the younger kids. So really set up that environment to establish rapport and trust and laugh and play and Look into their eyes if they feel confident and comfortable doing that and giggle and and have a good time yourself. I mean, kids feel your energy. I always laugh and say kids are so much like dogs. You have to positively reinforce them for what you want to see. They feel your energy. They have like a sixth sense of knowing when somebody has good energy, not great energy, when things are going to be overwhelming, and when they feel confident and comfortable. And so really lean into their intuition because their intuition's not off. When you're a kid, your intuition is so spot on and we tend to lose that later as we grow. And so really allowing a kid to feel safe and trusted is the best place to start. And of course, you can build in some of your... Um, transitional or behavioral supports in that time like hey I'm gonna set a timer should I do three minutes or five minutes of the ball pit oh you want five minutes oh my gosh let's do five minutes of the ball pit you have your fun for five minutes the timer goes off and you're already starting that that boundary of like hey the timer's off 
But instead of then doing a non-preferred task, use air quotes, you can't see me. Oh my gosh, this is, now you get to pick the next thing. So you're even starting to form positive associations around timers ending that it's not that the fun is over. It just means it's time for the next fun thing. Um, Of course, as you build into the goal, sometimes the goals especially in the school or functional academic goals that are challenging for the kid and things that they might really not want to do. I always try to make my goals really functional and leaning towards the child's strengths and their preferred interests. But let's be real, you're also walking into summer school with goals that other people have written and so you got to roll with them even if it's not the kind of goal you would have written. You still have to provide services around that goal. And so if you can form these positive associations in the brain when you go to do those challenging tasks in the future, they're so much easier. Ease into them with the kids. Another thing I quickly want to touch upon before I wrap up this really quick podcast um, is the importance of regulating yourself first and co-regulating with the student. So we talked about energy, intuition, you know, kind of coming off on the right foot. But I think it's a really important, and this is in any situation, that to first make sure you're taken care of before you enter that classroom. And then once you enter that classroom, working with the student to make sure both of your needs are met. Um, And really from the get-go, allowing the student to feel like their voice is heard to meet those needs. So I'll give you an example from today. I had a student today, first time ever working with this student. I know that they had speech therapy and then me, and we were going out of order from the schedule just because we were already trying to fit in and do makeup sessions from missing sessions Monday and then Tuesday morning. It's it's chaotic, you guys. Um, And so... I knew it was around the student's lunchtime, 10.30 in the morning, which, let's be honest, it's not typically when most kids eat lunch. It's very early, but it's summer school, so all the the students are provided a lunch through the school. I think that's amazing for the families that maybe can't support their children in that way um, consistently. And so they came from speech from the third floor down to the first floor. I was picking up the student, and we were going from the first floor back up to the third floor. I, of course, tried to intercept and meet the student on the third floor, but just with scheduling, it ended up that I ran into the kid in the first floor, and we were going to go straight up to OT, and the teacher was going to get the student's lunch and have the student's lunch prepared so when he came back, he could eat lunch at 11 instead of 10.30, so only a 30-minute change. Students, first time meeting me, we're in a busy hallway. He's working with a one-to-one aide he's never worked with before. And he starts dropping to the floor in the aides, grabbing his arms, grabbing his hands. Come on, trying to get him to stand up. Um, and he is having a really difficult time. And it really seemed like it was behavior. But as an OT, I know behavior is a form of communication about something. I have... always, 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 even if it's like a year after the behavior, have found there was a root reason why that behavior was happening. Um, So I literally sat on the floor with him and I said, what do you need? That was hard. It was a WH question. So then I rephrased it and I said, 
oh, I'm falling to the floor. My body does not feel safe right now. I need, and he said, I'm hungry, I need lunch. This is a kid who has very limited, limited expressive, expressive language skills, and setting it up in that way, making him feel heard and acknowledged, he said, I'm hungry, I need lunch. It was kind of hard to make out, but I reinforced, I'm like, oh, you're hungry. I say, you know, I'm hungry, I need lunch. We you know, walk through all that. I'm not a speech therapist, but I always reinforce communication because it's a foundational piece to the advocacy, the self-regulation, all the other things, right? So I walked into the classroom and I said, oh, he says he's hungry, he needs lunch. You said, oh, well, he can eat lunch. I said, no, he said he's hungry, he needs lunch, we're dropping to the floor, this is a basic need that he needs met right now, and it's in routine with his schedule. I said, we'll just eat lunch and OT together. Got him up to OT, ate lunch, had a great time, it was a great time while he was eating for me to talk to his aid support and talk about behavior and teach her how to see the signs and support self-advocacy skills. And so in my mind, I had gone into the session saying, great, we're going to quickly go up to the third floor. I got XYZ games planned out for him. Like, this is what we're going to do. I know it's a kid who loses attention really quickly. And like, I went into it with a plan. I even kind of had a backup plan just in case that didn't work out. Those totally went out the window, met the student's need, established great rapport with the kid, and really helped the one-to-one feel acknowledged and support her where she was at learning this student. That's going to set up, not going to say I'm not going to have challenges with this kid this summer, but that's going to set up so much respect that we have for the student, that the student has for us, that we have with each other as an inter- interprofessional team versus just trying to do the therapeutic task that I had planned. There are so many ways that you can establish rapport and trust and form really strong relationships with all of the people that you work with, not just the students, but also your colleagues. But I think what they all come down to is really just being intentional, being in the present moment and acting upon the immediate need that's presented in front of you instead of skipping three or four steps ahead of where you are in the moment. So before we wrap up this podcast, I just wanted to share a quote that I found online that I thought was... um, in alignment with everything we talked about today. It says, think about your intentionality. Are you getting lost in the method or coming from the intentionality, the purpose? You don't want to do the mechanics without the consciousness. Thanks for listening. As a reminder, this podcast is not medical advice and does not replace the potential need for skilled and individualized therapeutic services. Please consult your pediatrician or occupational therapist for specific questions about your child. Similarly, these are my personal and professional views and opinions. If something I say does not feel right to you or is different from what you have learned, please follow your own intuition and learning quest. And remember, science and language are always changing and growing. I will try my best to stay as up-to-date as possible, but I myself am always learning. If you have any follow-up questions or requests for future podcasts, 
feel free to reach out to me on my Instagram at OT underscore with underscore Marissa. See you soon.